Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Here come the Astros burning with desire. Steven, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yes, sir. Whatever time the Astros uh, fight song for you on a live Astros post game show. Welcome to Houston Sports Talk Live Astros Yankees post game show. Robert Land alongside Stephen Kerr. Between the two of us, 60 years combined in sports journalism. And Stephen, all I got to say about this one is La Pena and La Pena Power. La Pena Power. Ah, yes. Jeremy Pena is is definitely not wowed by the big stage, is he? Uh, that, that is obvious. Uh, oh, he my has definitely goodness. come through again. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I, I'm out of words for Jeremy Pena and what he's doing right now. I'm out of words. <laughs> well, you know, all he has to do is just get a few more hits like that, maybe a few more walk-off home runs and then people will really start comparing him to uh, Carlos Correa. I know we talked about that on, I think it was our last podcast. And yeah, still early in the game, but Jeremy Pena is making his mark. He's already made his mark on Astros history, but he's just continuing to do it, Robert. Oh my goodness. It's just unbelievable. And I mean, this is a rookie. You just have to keep reminding yourself, this is a rookie shortstop and you know I was worried about his defense knock on wood uh here I'm gonna say it (laughs) his defense has not been an issue at all because you know he was not making some of the routine plays during the regular season but oh my goodness and and by the way just everybody that's out there if you don't know we're doing these live Astros post games after every postseason game Steven and I have been around for a long time the podcast has been going on for nine years we started doing video a few months ago and we're loving it. Uh, Steven, um, just uh, fantastic stuff from start to finish from just about the entire Astros team. Justin Verlander hit some rough spots. But, you know, you, the one thing I, I was looking for in this game, the big thing for me was what were you going to see from Justin Verlander? Yeah, absolutely, Robert. And he said something yesterday at his press conference that was interesting, that the calf injury that he suffered earlier in the season, he, he said that, it seemed like it has caused him some issues with his mechanics. And, you know, I don't know what the reason was, you know, from his uh, last start with the Mariners and then the first three innings of this start. But, you know, you were starting to wonder what's going on with Justin. He certainly wasn't looking like the pitcher who could win the Cy Young Award. And by the way, the Cy Young voting has already been done. The, the playoffs don't count for that. So that that's not going to count against him. But what worried me, Robert, is, You know, after the first four innings, he had a pretty good fourth inning. But after four innings, he had 80 pitches, 80 pitches. That's that's 20 pitches an inning, Robert, through four innings. So the fact that he went six innings, he pulled it together the last three innings. He only threw, I guess that would be 23 pitches in the last three innings to go six. But there for a while, you were wondering if he was even going to go five. Yeah, I mean, it was a little touch and go early in the game, and we'll get into it here. And just a quick reminder, we need you to subscribe, like, comment on YouTube. We want more people in the tent. We're building an audience, and uh, we'd love to hear from everybody that's out there what you think of it. Hopefully, Tell your friends, because we had over a 1,000 views, I think, of of live views last time, didn't we? Yeah, well, we were sort of approaching uh, 2,000 when it was all said and done, and 
Um, but it's a great way to support what we're doing here right now. We're sponsor free. We would like to get a sponsor just to help us out a little bit. We're putting a lot of time and energy in this and we would appreciate it. But let's go to the bottom of the first because that guy, Jeremy Pena, doubles, <laughs> then Jordan walks, but Aaron Judge robs Bregman, diving catch, and Tucker strikes out. So, you know, tip your cap to Aaron Judge. He makes a hell of a play, the defensive play oh, of the yeah. game. And uh, that's what was, you know, it was a, a little bit concerning because it was a great opportunity. But top of the second, uh, Verlander, solo home run, Harrison Bader, he hits a hanging slider. And I say hanging Steven, but I thought he did a great job, Verlander did, of hanging in. Well, Harrison Bader did a great job, I should say, of hanging in with the pitch and practically adjusting mid-swing. It wasn't poorly located. It was going to be caught low and outside, it looked like. So uh, I give this one to Harrison Bader. That that was just yeah. a beautiful job there, Ed. It right was. There. And, you know, the funny thing about Harrison Bader is, you know, he was a mid-season acquisition for the Yankees, and I don't think he even had any home runs with them in the regular season, but – He's he's had, well, let's see, this will be his fourth. He had three against the Cleveland Guardians. That's as many home runs as the Guardians as a team had during that series, Robert. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting how his bat has warmed up in the postseason. And that fourth homer, you know, came in the postseason tonight against the Astros. Fortunately, it didn't come back to bite the Astros. Yeah, this was lucky. There were some moments early in the game that were huge. Bottom of the second, Chaz McCormick singles Maldonado with a big swing driving it the other way for a tying double over judges head game tied at one if you get offense from Maldonado it's found money man machete money and you know an interesting thing Robert is he came into tonight's game five for ten against Jamison Tyone with three extra base hits so he had some history against Tyone and, and he came through and it, it's, you know, Maldonado, while he doesn't hit a lot, he does seem to pick his spots. And boy, when he does, just how valuable it is, especially at the bottom of that lineup. Yeah, that's not what you're expecting if you're the Astros to get that kind of offense from the bottom of the lineup. And you just want him to occasionally get on, move the thing around so you can get back to the top of the order. Although Altuve still struggling quite a bit. But uh, Jamison Tyon, you mentioned his name. Woodland's kid, I covered him in high school way back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Way back in the day, I was covering that kid. Uh, So let's go to the top of the third inning. Verlander in trouble again, but this was big, Stephen. He gets a couple of generous strike calls, runners on second, third to get Matt Carpenter looking. Matt Carpenter sporting this Bill Buckner looking mustache. Probably not a good look (laughs) if you're uh, trying to win a a World Series. And then uh, bottom of the five, Pena. Lead off double, uh, two walks, the bases were loaded, and Kyle Tucker, who we're used to him coming up clutch, but he grounds into a double play right there. Yeah, Teddy Tucker. It wasn't Teddy there. He's, he's you know, he, he's had in this postseason, he, he's done pretty well. He's gotten some contact on the ball, but uh, he has, uh, I think, lately in the last couple of games, hasn't been the Kyle Tucker that we're used to seeing. So next up, we go to the bottom of the sixth inning and Yuli Gurriel, who has awoken from four months of being DOA in this season. <laughs> uh, you know, that was a pitch. He wasn't hitting most of the year, that that home run, Stephen. That hanging inside slider was his bread and butter before the first few months of this season. And that is the difference. When he hits those inside pitches and he can get around on them, 
That's the Yuli Gurriel we know and love. One thing that's been interesting that I know the Astros broadcasters pointed out in the ALDS, Robert, is Gurriel, it, not only has his swing looked better, but his hands seem quicker. And, and if he can keep that up, he, he's going to continue to to hit well with those quick wrists. Yeah, absolutely. And at this point, I was just thinking in the middle of this game, you know, you're always thinking a little bit ahead. If you're a baseball fan, I was thinking, man, it would be great to get Yuli back in an Astros uniform next year. I think a lot of people had just like turned the page on him a couple of months ago. But including uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, me. Yeah. I'll admit it. Yeah. Well, I think I was about it at that point myself. And so Chas McCormick then goes opposite field himself for a home run. Beautiful job keeping his shoulders in on a slider. I really love, Stephen, how Chaz appears to think about going the other way as a mindset. And that's something that maybe he needs to start talking to Altuve about because that's been a little bit. I think he's Altuve is just trying to hit everything and maybe pull too much. I don't know what he's doing up there, but Chaz, this is his mindset. And, and it's really, I, I think, made a difference from him in the first few months of his career last year to where he is right now. I think he's really developed as a hitter. He does. It just seems that the more you watch Chaz McCormick play, the better hitter he becomes. And I mean, the Astros may not, you know, they may still be looking for answers in center field for the long term, but you got to say right now, Chaz McCormick is, is, he's definitely in the lead. I mean, there's no question. And I do want to go back to the third inning when you're talking about McCormick, you know, after Stanton doubled over Tucker's head, McCormick was there to back it up. And he threw to keep Rizzo from scoring from first. So he not only, you know, came through offensively with that homer and another hit, but he made a great play in that third inning that definitely could have saved a run. Was it one of the Mariners outfielders in the last series that wasn't doing that backing up of a, of a play off the wall? Yeah, I, I think so. I think yeah. so. So, you know, it was heads up by McCormick uh, on defense, but man, he's, he's really rounding out. I mean, he had a good ALDS as far as offense goes. And uh, he's coming into the ALCS doing the same thing. And our regular listener, Scott, br brings up the point, and he is right on the money. Bottom of the lineup produced tonight, except for Aledmus Diaz. And, Stephen, I had no issue with Diaz playing. We, we know my thing on the difference between him and Trey Mancini. But, yeah, th th this was big because guess what? You, you're not getting anything from Jordan. Kyle Tucker hit into that double play. Uh Bregman couldn't quite do anything except for, I think he had, did he have a walk? Is that right? Um, but yeah, you weren't getting yeah. Bregman. Yeah. You weren't getting anything from that middle of the lineup. Well, and, and of course, Bregman was the one who was robbed by a judge on that great play. So he hit the ball really well. And you know, Robert, the thing about it is this Astros offense has been inconsistent all year long, but it does seem that when two or three people go cold, Two or three others, you know, come into play. And, and one thing I will point out, I know after the first four innings, I saw a figure that the Astros, for, well, first of all, through the whole game, they hardly struck out at all. They were making good contact. Through the first four innings, their exit velocity was 96 miles per hour. It's not bad. So they were getting some good wood, but the balls just weren't falling. And the Yankees were making some good plays in the outfield. So let's go to the bottom of the seventh and the exclamation point for Jeremy Pena's night. Pena power again hits a home run. And after that one, Stephen, I, I was at home on my couch there shaking my head in disbelief at what this kid's doing. It's unreal. 
Yeah, it really is. And, you know, they came off Frankie Montas, who's kind of been an Astros killer when he was with the A's. And the Yankees got him, you know, to be a starter. He he really struggled with them. And he made their roster, but he's coming out of the pen. And Pena greeted him with a homer. And that home run, Robert, I mean, he really crushed it. It was 107 miles per hour exit velocity. Now, tell me if you've heard of a 38-degree launch angle for many home runs. I, I, I'm not really into the launch angle figure thing, but apparently most homers, the average is about a 25-degree launch angle. Jeremy Pena went above that. I mean, that's pretty incredible. You cannot throw him a whole lot on that middle end because he loves to get a hold of those pitches, Stephen. He loves yeah. those. If you get that slider away from him and you can get it breaking out of the zone, yeah, he's not going to – yeah, it's it's not going to be good for him, but anything that he can reach, he can hit. Yeah, and it's interesting because we talked a lot, you know, a couple of years ago when Pena was coming up in the minor leagues, the biggest question was his hitting. And then he got the injury, and then you wondered, well, gosh, you know, what's, is he going to be able to come back from that? And that brief stint last year at Sugarland, he was starting to hit home runs. So somewhere in there, you know, in his recovery and then getting back into action, he has certainly figured it out as far as hitting is, at least for now. All right, let's go to the top of the eighth because this was a big moment for the Astros' bullpen. Montero, two quick outs, but with two strikes, Stephen, he tries the hesitation in his windup. And I saw that and I was like, well, you're rolling right now. There's no need to try to go a little extra to fool this guy. And it backfires. Rizzo hits it out. Then Montero puts two guys on, but Presley strikes out Carpenter on a beautiful 2-2 breaking ball. But that, that got a little hairy there for Montero, who's been, you know, money in the bank most of the year and in the postseason. Yeah, he really has. I mean, he definitely struggled tonight. I mean, three of the four batters got to full counts. And the the home run, you know, that uh, Rizzo hit, that, that was – it really didn't look like he was hitting the ball hard. I mean, he was just trying to put the ball in play. He didn't like he, you know, really bopped it, but he's got that power – and hitting the other way. So he got a hold of it. And uh, it was definitely, as you said, getting hairy for a while. But yeah, Montero had too many full counts. And I think that was his downfall there. Have I missed anything before we go to the ninth inning, Stephen? Anything else that you had to mention? Well, I did want to mention, you know, we, we mentioned Jamison Tyon being a local product. I did think it was interesting that uh, when he exited, well, the Astros fans booed him. I mean, not exactly a warm welcome from your hometown, <laughs> but I, I will say at least the Astros fans came to life tonight, Robert. So th that was at least good to see that, yeah, they were booing their own local product because he's with the Yankees, I guess. Right. I mean, that was good. That was the good thing with the Astros fans is, you know, they were into it enough to just go, well, he's a Yankee and we don't care. And, you know, that's the way that's what you're supposed to do as a hometown crowd. That's what the Yankee fans would do. I guarantee you. Oh yeah. The one thing that I noticed early in the game again, Steven, I just, you know, get the, get the butts out of your seat earlier in the game, get into this thing a little bit quicker. It's just taken too long for the Astros fans to get into these games. Yeah, it does seem to, but you know, the, the fans are going to be who they are. And uh, the place did get loud. I think uh, one of the Chronicle columnists said that, you know, the Texas energy power grid could probably profit off of Minute Maid Park because it's full of electricity. So I think somewhere in the game, they were starting to get into it a bit. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess that all of our viewers and listeners are just too smart to not be on their feet if they're <laughs> at the game. Uh, let's go to the ninth inning and 
Ryan Presley looked as good as he's looked in a long time. And that was great. That's going to be big, Stephen, because you need him to, you know, be sharp these last, we got seven more wins to win the World Series. You start trying to think like that and it gets you excited, but seven more wins and and you can win the World Series and, and, and you need Ryan Presley for sure. Well, you, you try not to think too far ahead. I mean, it has to be one game at a time, but you're right. Only seven more wins. And, you know, we talked in the last podcast and how nervous we were about Presley just kind of, yeah, you know, kind of figuring it out as he went along, but he got a four out save. So, you know, he, he definitely came through in tonight's game, but it does bear watching. It just seemed like, you know, since that knee injury he had earlier in the season been kind of touch and go with him, he's been getting the job done. It's not that he's completely fallen apart, but he, he does make you a little nervous when he came out there, but not tonight. Yeah. He was on his game that, like I said, that pitch in the eighth inning was just a beauty, just, you know, broke right over the plate and it was bottom of the zone. And, you know, it would have been a called strike if he didn't swing at it. And there's no way most guys are going to be able to hit his breaking pitch when it does that. And it's in that location. That was fantastic. I mean, it could have been a little bit more outside maybe, and and that would have been the, the perfect pitch, but that was about as good as it was going to get. And Steven, you know, just getting this one win for the Astros to me right off the bat, any sort of, momentum that the Yankees think they're building. I kind of like cutting it off immediately. You know, they get the the series against the guardians and you think, well, maybe they can take some momentum into that. Um, I, I don't really think much of this Yankees lineup outside of a couple of guys. And I, I think that's the general consensus. So uh, if you're, if you're an Astros fan, you really like where you are and where this Yankees team is right now, as we go into these last, you know, few games of this series. Well, you know, I think a lot of people were wondering just because that rain delay pushed the the game between the Yankees and Guardians back a day, meaning that if they win, they have to hop on a plane, get to Houston, play the next day. I, you know, I, I don't know. It, it certainly, you could say maybe that affected them. But the, the thing about the Astros, what I really like is, yes, they won that first game. And now they're really in position, Robert, because when you're talking about pitching depth, the Astros have it. You know, they they have several starters they can put in relief if they need to. Whereas the Yankees, what have they played? Like six games in the last seven days in three different cities. They're going to play again tomorrow. Then they're going to have the off day. And after that, Robert, if this series goes seven games, there's not going to be another off day at all because even when they come back to Houston for a game, possible game six and seven, there's not going to be that travel day. So, you know, it, it at least favors the Astros right now, not just in terms of momentum, but if you're looking down the line in the series with pitching, but again, this is the ALCS and we just never know, but, but at least it gives us something to hang our hats on after game one. If you're out there, ask us some questions, give us some comments. Cause we want to hear, do we miss something that you wanted us to talk about or uh, an angle that we're missing? But Steven, the, the, the interesting part about it is how, if you're the Astros, do you deal with this weird quirk in scheduling this year that I, I'm not sure I quite understand why they decided to do this, but having that zero off days between, you know, game five and game six, like we normally have, but, you know, it, it sounds as though they're going to go with Lance McCullers in game three and then Christian Javier in game four. And really the real question mark that you would have at that point is, why not reverse the two with Lance McCullers' arm troubles? Because it's going to be harder to bounce back. Let's hope it doesn't go to a game seven at this point. Um, and the Astros can take it before that. But 
it's just something that you have to keep in mind if you're setting up the starting pitching right now. And I also think you might want to keep in mind uh, with the weird quirk in the schedule, you you do have a really good starter that you can use in game five that doesn't have to be Justin Verlander and can can stretch everybody back out if you want to with Luis Garcia. I know, you know, the obvious thing is, okay, Justin Verlander gets four days rest, but down the road, you go, well, that that could be an issue. You know, could could the Astros get in trouble? Because if it goes to game seven, you know, then you've got, you know, a, a Lance McCullers, I guess, on 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 a, on a shorter rest for, for a guy coming off surgery. Well, but that's the cool thing about it, Robert, is that Dusty Baker does have options. And a lot of that, I think, is going to depend on how this series goes. I mean, if you have another extra inning game where you got to burn some pitchers and you got to use a starter, that's going to affect things too. But you're right. I mean, you make a good point. But that that's the good part is that the Astros do have those options. You know, they could play around with it a little bit if they need to. You know, my thing is I want to get this series over with as soon as possible. <laughs> Just don't stretch it too long because it is the Yankees. And, yeah, they've struggled the last few months, but they're still the Yankees. But the good thing is, yeah, they have some options to play with in this series, just depending on how things go in the next few games. The big roster move, Stephen, was Jake Myers out and Seth Martinez in prior to this series. And Seth Martinez, he's been nearly the forgotten man in the bullpen, but this was the right move against this righty-heavy Yankees lineup. I I, I didn't even think about him. I thought, well, they're just going to go with Will Smith, the veteran, the World Series you know, uh, you know, he was one of the heroes last year in the World Series, but they, they decided to go with Seth Martinez, the kid. Yeah, and it may be surprising to some, Robert, until you look at his opposing batting average against right-handed hitters. It's 135. So there you go. I, I mean, if, if that's good enough reason to put him on the roster with a right-handed hitting, you know, heavy lineup that the Yankees have, well, that would be it. You know, I, I was kind of hoping, to be honest, that they would keep Jake Myers on the roster if for no other reason, just you know, to have an extra base runner with the speed on the base pass if you need it and leave Trey Mancini off. That's obviously not what they did. But putting Seth Martinez there isn't really a surprise when you consider how well he's done against right-handed hitters overall. Sean and I s- talked in the podcast a couple of days ago, you know, if they're not going to go with the Ledmus Diaz at DH, do you consider David Hensley over Mancini but Mancini has had success against Garrett Cole. So that's worth making a note of for the chances that he might play a little bit in this series. Um, he's had a success against a couple of Yankees starting pitchers. But for most of the staff, it's it's not good, at least this year. And, you know, I just have to go by the most recent numbers because, you know, these rosters turn so quickly, Stephen. Well, I think I even pointed out that maybe Hensley should get a shot if you're not going to play Diaz and not Trey Mancini. But you're right. You know, if, if you're talking about matchups, you know, Garrett Cole will probably get game three for the Yankees. So maybe that's when you play Mancini and see what he does. You know, if they put him on the roster, I, I think he, he is going to get some playing time. He may even play in game two tomorrow. Who knows? But uh, that that is a good point to know. But I just think, you know, David, I don't know. I have this feeling. If David Hensley is put in the right position, he could be one of those, you know, when I say freak, I mean freak in a, in a freak kind of way, postseason heroes, you know, one of those unexpected guys that put him in the right spot and maybe he'll have a key hit or a key home run. He's certainly capable of hitting a home run. You just never know. And, we'll, you know, we'll have to see if that plays out in the postseason if 
he gets an opportunity to be put in that position. We've talked on the show about how deep this Astros staff is all season. I've said one through 12, which is your typical playoff number of pitchers that you're going to see, maybe one through 13. This is the best Astros pitching staff from top to bottom I've seen it in my lifetime. Steven, I, I, I would guess you're, you agree on that? Oh, gosh, Robert. You know, I've been following the Astros since the 70s, and we've had some great pitchers, yes. You know, with we, even in the playoffs, you know, you had Nolan Ryan, and you had Mike Scott, and you had, you know, Bob Nepper and some of these guys. But from top to bottom, you know, there, there usually was a weakness in the bullpen, a weakness with some of the fringe starters. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, if you're talking about top to bottom, this is absolutely the best Astros pitching staff I think they've assembled in their entire history. And it's just been amazing. And, you know, you're talking about some guys that you don't hear a lot about that just don't have a lot of experience, but they're coming through. And especially in that 18-inning game, my gosh. You know, think about Hunter Brown. Yeah, he's highly touted, but he doesn't have a lot of major league experience. And he came in and did the job in that 18-inning game. Just guys like that have been coming through. Brian Abreu has finally found it. We kept sitting around waiting for that to happen. He, he's been money all season long, and he didn't even pitch tonight. You know, he might be able to see some action in the late innings tomorrow, especially since Presley pitched four outs. So, yeah, from top to bottom, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Brian Abreu because I was thinking about him today, and I'm like, ah, maybe we didn't give him near enough love in our postgame shows the last series. But, yeah, he's been money in the bank. They all have, and my point was that, Stephen, I, I, I never feel worried or stressed out when a particular pitcher comes in out of the bullpen with this Astros team. The, the faith that I have in all of these guys, and, I mean, we saw them in 2017, great team, won the World Series. I was scared to death when most of these guys came into the game, especially the Ken Giles of the world. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was, it was scary. And then in 2019, there were guys that you're just like, Oh, I hope this guy doesn't have to pitch. And and I remember going back to 2005 and that world series team. Yeah. The three starters, Clements and Pettit. And of course, Roy Oswalt, they were fantastic, but there were so many pitchers on that staff that you're like, oh, I, I hope I, I hope we don't have to see them. I hope they're not going to come out. <laughs> I hope that's that, that's the that, that's the last thing that happens tonight. Because uh, you know, if, if if any of our starters got in trouble, you know, there were guys that I just did not want anywhere near the mound. Well, I think it's hard to find a guy on this pitching staff who has absolutely cratered. You know, they've gotten in some jams. I mean, all pitchers are going to do that, including the best, like Justin Verlander. But, I, I mean, I just can't think of a time, Robert, too much anyway, where they've just completely fallen apart and you're like, oh, no, you know, this guy's coming in. Honestly, the offense makes me more nervous just because they are so up and down and you just don't know what to expect. You run into some good pitching, they could completely shut the Astros down. And then as good a pitching staff as they have, it just leaves less margin for error. They may give up one or two bad pitches and you lose a game two to nothing or two to one. You know, that that makes me more nervous than any one of these pitchers just going out and, you know, maybe falling to pieces. You know, other than Jose Altuve and, you know, we've got a all points bulletin looking out mm -hmm. for him. Uh, there's not a whole lot that I'm stressing about at this point. You know, it's early in this series. I get it. And the postseason is far from over. 
and there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of innings to be pitched and a lot of hits to, you know, that you're going to need. But, oh, my goodness. I mean, outside of Altuve, I feel like everybody's pretty much contributed in these first two series and, and given you something. And, you know, you, you just have a, a lot of confidence that we're going to find somebody every single night that's going to show up and do their job. Well, again, it's timely hitting, Robert. How many times do we say it in the postseason? It's the two-out hitting. It's the runners in scoring position hitting. That's what's going to make the difference. And, you know, whether it is Altuve that comes to life or Gurriel or, you know, McCormick or maybe somebody like a David Hensley who pinch hits and hits a home run, that's what this team does. And, you know, they're certainly capable. What are they? They were fourth in the league, I think, in home runs this year. So they're capable of hitting the long ball when they have to. It's just making sure they put it together in most of these games to get the job done. And, you know, with, with Altuve, I think the, the worst streak that he's ever had of going over was over 19 back in 2018. And he's matched that this postseason, Robert. So you just got to think that he's getting it together very soon. He just, he's got to think that. And can I throw a little Astros history in there? Speaking of Altuve. Go ahead. Three years ago today, it was Altuve who hit that walk-off homer against the Yankees to send the Astros to the World Series. So how about that? It comes, you know, three years before tonight's game, and tonight's game, the Astros at least got game one win over the Yankees. So there's some history to draw on for you. I saw that. I saw that. I was hoping that might inspire him a little bit. In this <laughs> one. And we, were, we went on in podcasts right after that, Robert. We could hardly contain ourselves then, could we? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was unreal. And and I, I tell you, uh one of our one of our listeners, one of our viewers asked this question, Stephen. He's they said the first time tuning in, this is Constantine. You guys are knowledgeable. What's your background? Tell people a little bit about your background, Stephen. And 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 Stephen grew up in Houston and has been a fan of the Astros going back to nearly the beginning, right? Yeah, thanks for that question, Constantine. I was born in Houston. I uh, I grew up there. I moved to Austin um, right after high school, but I have followed Houston, you know, ever since then. I've never lost faith in my teams. I, I started following the Astros in the early 70s. I was a radio broadcaster here in Austin. I did some sports, but my main background is in music, but I've always followed sports. And now I've been a freelance sports journalist for a number of years. I cover college, high school, you know, I've even covered some professional sports. So yeah, I've, I have uh, at least over 30 years of uh, sports background. And uh, Robert, uh, I know you've been in Houston a lot longer. You've lived some other places, but you've certainly been in Houston longer than I have and even done some work in Houston with some of the pro teams there. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I grew up in Houston. I grew up an Astros fan uh, going back to the 70s. And my first game that I can recall, I got to see J.R. Richard on the mound and then, you know, got to see them through the 80s teams and went to games in the 80s and some of the great seasons there, the 80 and 86 series, I'll, I'll never forget. Two really iconic moments for, you know, my Astros, <laughs> my Astros love. I, I'm a huge Nolan Ryan fan growing up. So oh, yeah. uh, like everybody that grew up around that era. And, you know, after that, I went to broadcast journalism school in Missouri. I spent some time working in television in Memphis and Little Rock and then came back here. And I've been a Mostly a videographer, editor, but I've done some producing and reporting as well for high school shows. I've covered the Astros. I've covered the Rockets, the Texans, um, all of it. Uh, the show's been on for nine years now, almost 300 
interviews that we've done in that time frame. Mm. We've talked to everybody from Simone Biles to Carlos Correa to Lance McCullers and on and on Calvin Murphy and on and on and on. And uh, Steven's been a part of it for the last three years and just uh, doing a fantastic job. But, you know, this has been my team my whole life. And, you know, I love these, I love these guys. And, you know, you see next to me, the Astros uh, hat, that is a, that's a uh, iron on that is on the hat or they may have sewed it on, but what it is is something that I got as a kid at a game at the Astrodome. That's the old Astros logo, as you can probably see. But um, yeah, I go back a long ways with this team and I've been in journalism now for 30 years covering various sports and everything from high school to pros and Super Bowls and everything in between. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate that question. So if anybody's new, that's a little bit about our background. But uh, Stephen, I tell you what, it's it's so refreshing, like we said, because when we were younger, this wasn't going on every single year. You weren't in the ALCS or the NLCS back then, and you definitely weren't in World Series on a regular basis. Oh, no, you definitely weren't. You know, just when you got your hopes up, somebody would come along and dash them the next year or the year after that. that oh, this is by far the best Astros run in their history. And, you know, speaking of which, Robert, I wanted to mention a couple of quick items. One of them is there were a number of former Astros at the game, including Roger Clemens, who uh, I think threw out the first pitch. Josh Reddick was there. And uh, Josh Reddick, who never has an opinion on anything, haha, <laughs> says the Astros are going to win in five. So, Josh, you better not be a jinx, buddy. You, you better be right. You better not jinx this thing. But, uh, Several Astros were at the game, our former Astros, cheering him on. And also want to uh, send best wishes to Gary Pettis. He was missing from tonight's game. Uh, he was under the weather. Uh, Omar Lopez, who normally coaches first base, he came and coached uh, Pettis' spot at third. And one of the quality coaches, uh, Dan Farova, took over at first base. So hopefully Gary Pettis will be back for tomorrow's game or certainly very soon. Yeah, we remember he was really sick, and we didn't know if he was going to come back with the Astros. So I yeah, hope had the cancer okay. battle. So yeah, hopefully he's okay and doing well. And you mentioned Roger Clemens, and I thought that was like a little in your face by the Astros saying, "Hey, remember Roger Clemens, the guy that <laughs> uh, was in front of Congress trying to uh, convince everybody that he wasn't doing steroids?" And oh yeah, did what, didn't he play for the Yankees and win a couple yeah. of championships? I don't, somehow, I just don't think those Yankee fans noticed that, Robert. Do you think? <laughs> Not tonight, right? Uh, they might have noticed that uh, Roger was throwing out the first. <laughs> well, they no, I mean, noticed game. that he was doing steroids. I think they conveniently forget about that now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure he was just doing, I'm sure he just figured it out with the Astros. Not like when Barry Bonds figured it out and Mark McGuire figured it out and all those other guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I tell you what, uh, let's do it again tomorrow. Don't forget that Stephen and I will do another Astros Live post game after tomorrow night's game. We're doing it all through the postseason. And on Sunday, I will do our regular live Texans post game after the Raiders game. Then I will reload for the Astros that night. Wow. <sighs> you, you are a busy guy, Robert. And you, uh, I, I bet you were tuning back and forth between this and the Rockets game with their opening game of the season tonight, weren't you? Yeah, I did. And and my quick impressions on the Rockets, because I can give you those because I saw the the entire game as I was going back and forth. Think, thanks to the DVR. But Shane Goon. Oh, my goodness. Get it together, brother. I mean, he looks <laughs> like he's regressed since last year. Kevin Porter and Shane Goon with a lot of turnovers. They couldn't hit the three 
uh, Jalen Green and Jabari Smith were ice cold. That's going to happen. But it, it was turnovers. Uh, defense needs to – I was hoping defense would be better. It didn't look a whole lot better. Uh, so that's something that they're going to have to work on. The Hawks have a tremendous offense with Trey Young, and you know that. But there was just some things that I didn't like tremendously with yeah. you know, that, the, the, the plans that they had on defense. And I'll probably get into that at some point in the not-too-distant future. But hopefully – they can get it turned around a little bit, but I, I, I definitely love watching this team and it's exciting and Jabari and Jalen, and we got to see more Tarius and he only played 15 minutes. Got to see more Tarius. And he looked really good in the 15 minutes that he played. He was making, making things happen all over the court, which is what you want. But, uh, uh, Steven, this was a blast again. Let's yes, do it again, man. Let's, uh, Let's get everybody to tell your friends again. I'll remind it. Tell your friends. Yep. We're, we're, we're on. We'll be here tomorrow night. Win or lose, we'll be here. All right. How about how about some? Um, do you want some music to close things out? Absolutely. Would, would that help? Let's do it. Need All it. right. Let's go here. Let's turn it up. Let me turn it up. listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.